back guys welcome to part two of courtney's journey and last episode we talked about secondary infertility iui in vitro fertilization and you left off saying that your counselor talked to you about just accepting that your journey is different than other people's journey and what you had dreamt of and expected and just having to come to terms with that and i think benny in general like from pregnancy to delivery to just even having bennett for the first five months was just different than you had expected so i'm going to take you back to i think we talked about your bleeding in the last episode yeah and i think that kind of just set you up to just be anxious throughout your whole pregnancy and then i remember you saying for your your c-section i just didn't think that was an option for me yeah it definitely was a trigger like i went in thinking that i would have a natural easy birth that I would have that I had the same with cash and that wasn't happening for me we had it took them nine tries for my epidural did we say that during the last episode yeah because you said people wouldn't believe you yeah you actually had the picture like nine yeah holes in your bag and then to like Not holes but marks in your bag. yeah and uh then to just being like after 14 15 hours of hard labor they he just said you need to have a c-section and I just felt almost like just scared because lots of people who've had C-sections told me about the recovery and I just didn't want to deal with the recovery of a C-section plus have a child at home and a new baby and we live quite a busy active lifestyle that I just was hoping for the best fastest recovery and I was kind of just blindsided by having a C-section. When I remember them rolling you out and you were just in tears. Like, yeah. Like you were scared too. Super scared and my epidural was wearing off so they were just putting me under for going to put me under for the C-section and that means my husband wasn't going to be there and just being like I said at the end of that last episode I just woke up alone and scared and I just didn't know kind of what was going on and then they bring me back to the room and it's hard to go to you can't go to the bathroom you can't sit up to breastfeed you can't everything is just a really long process that I just wasn't mindfully ready for. But I remember in our last episode you had talked about even laying in bed and wanting to like get braided a baby like that you just wanted that so bad yeah so what was it like for you to not be able to have Brayden in the room when you actually gave birth did that bother you like did that impact you guys at all oh it for sure did and like I just wanted to have that pushing experience with Brayden and to have that like those pictures that people add of after their c-section that with their husband and their baby close to their face and like I just didn't really get that I don't know I didn't get to hear Bennett's first cry Brayden didn't get to hear that we just got this baby that we didn't know where it came from and it was just it was very unnatural mm-hmm. I guess is the way I want to say it well you even shared a post with me earlier today which we can share but it talked about like the five days after and you were in the hospital for the first five days after Bennett yeah yeah and this lady says it's day five I've already had multiple meltdowns due to doubts frustrations and discouragements and right when I think I got him to sleep he's crying as soon as I think I have breastfeeding down he doesn't want to my feet are swollen I can't sit up on my own I'm running on less than two hours of sleep and I haven't put on a shirt in days and that was that just really set in with me because I remember those days just not being able to just put my chair down or get up and just walk around like I was just in so much pain I had staples in my incision I couldn't hold my baby I couldn't do anything and I just felt really helpless when in the hospital we came in and Ben it was alert well I met him the day he was born and he was wide-eyed and yeah alert from the beginning yeah he came out ready ready for the world and I was not ready for him <laughs> to be ready for the world I just wanted this sleepy newborn and that was not Bennett and I remember my girlfriend texting me and she just said give the kid some formula and get some sleep because I was just like breastfeed, breastfeed, breastfeed. That's what the nurses were talking about. And finally, I gave him that bottle of formula. And she's like, only 30 mLs, only 30. And I let him have the whole bottle. And Brayden and I finally got three hours of sleep. And was that in the hospital? Yeah, that was in the hospital. I think that was day three. Because your milk hadn't come in till, well, I remember even day five, you were going home and I came in. Yeah. And they wanted to discharge you. And you're like, my milk hasn't even come in yet. Yeah, it, it didn't come in for a long time. And I don't know if it's different with the C-section or natural. I'm guessing it is, but yeah, it took a very long time for it to come in, and I I had to take milk pills throughout my whole breastfeeding experience. It was called, shoot, what is the name of it? I forget. That's going to bother me. But So I ended up taking like nine, sometimes 11 of those pills a day just to keep up, and I I just remember that gave me like such bad anxiety because I just wanted to give him the best Mm -hmm. that I could give him, and 
that was another trigger for just having postpartum anxiety. When your connection with Bennett through breastfeeding, you said was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Like I needed that. I just felt like we were connecting that he needed me and not just wanted me, I guess. I wanted to just be needed. And I think you liked to just be able to sit with him too. My family are baby people and we spend a lot of, like you're close in proximity to my parents. And so we were around a lot and we love babies. Like we love holding babies. We love being around babies. And we didn't get cash as a baby because he came into our lives when he was older. So he, it was the first baby of the family. And when now after having my own baby and just, I think I didn't have the awareness of the journey after motherhood. But I remember you just have always said, people don't check in with the mom enough. Yeah. Not saying, how are you? Like, no, really, how are you? Like, how are your hormones? How are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? Yeah. Even having a water bottle by the chair when you're breastfeeding. And I remember, I don't, I think people will ask you, but not really truly want to know. And I think our family, which is crazy for how close me, you and my mom are, but I don't think we did a good enough job of that. And so I think you were just there. And I remember those moments of you wanting to breastfeed were so precious to you because you just got to hold him and be kind of away from everyone. Yeah. And sometimes I just leave the room just so I could just be with Jess Bennett. And I, that takes me back to the nurse coming in the room and just being like, it's time to go home. And I was just like, oh no, like I'm not ready. I don't have breastfeeding down packed. I don't know what I'm doing. This is my second, but it feels like my first. I was not ready and I just remember crying and you were in the room with me and Brayden and Brayden was so excited to get out of the hospital Mm -hmm. and sleep on a normal bed instead of a chair and I knew I had this amazing support system I had you guys again your baby people and I I couldn't wrap my head around this little infant surviving it just seemed so crazy that I was just going home with a baby and but I think everyone was a little bit confused because you did have a baby. Yeah, and they just already. expected me to know. Mm-hmm. She's The nurse just said, like, this is your second baby. You're fine. It's normal of day five of a C-section for your hormones to dip. Like, your milk's going to come in. And I just remember being like, you're like everyone's lying. Nobody understands how crazy my thoughts are in my head. And I remember my mom had already left. She drove nine hours back home. And by the time Brayden and I got home with our new baby, we had both called my mom and told her, like, you have to come back because I don't know what I'm doing. And what were those thoughts in your head? Because you said, like, nobody really knew those thoughts in your head. What were they? Yeah, I just thought that I didn't know even how to clip him into his car seat or if we were going to get home safe without getting hit by another vehicle or if I was going to trip down the stairs at the hospital. Like, I just had these images in my head of me and Bennett falling or something happening to him or that he would stop breathing. I couldn't sleep. And then he started peeing these red crystals and nobody was giving me like a definite answer on to why he was peeing these, this redness. And I, finally I read online that he was dehydrated and then that scared me that he wasn't getting enough food, that he was going to die. Like it was just the most hardest thing I've ever had to just pit my big girl panties on and deal with. And so you have those thoughts. What were like the feelings of those thoughts? Like, what did it feel like? Because you're, what you're explaining is like anxiety and intrusive thoughts. But what yeah. were, how did that feel like physically? I just felt super scared, doubtful. I was frustrated. I just felt like I just didn't really know like that I could do this. Like I just, uh, I don't know. I don't just know how doubtful. to get to, yeah. I don't doubtful. know how to get to those feelings you're talking about. <laughs> well, and like lots of, some people feel like anxiety in their chest. Some people feel like their thoughts are just racing. Like some people feel like, well, even when we were, before we did the podcast, you're like, I'm getting sweaty. Like, yeah. so what was it like for you? Cause sometimes it's like an adrenaline feeling. Of yeah. Just being worried or being scared. Like your body's telling you that there's danger. And that's what I said to people often when we talk about anxiety is it's it's normal to have anxiety because it keeps you from like getting killed like if there's a bear you're not thinking oh there's a bear I better run you just act yeah and so I think for you your body was just having all these dangerous signals like the stairs are dangerous going outside is dangerous like vehicles are dangerous and I can keep Bennett alive and that was your only sense of control is like yeah you could keep him alive but I think your your thoughts were kind of telling you that nobody else can keep him alive yeah I just put so much of that just on myself and I wasn't reaching out and I think that was like another huge trigger as to why I just didn't think anybody else could do the job but me and that made I think it just made me feel 
made other people feel incapable Mm -hmm. and it was hard on my marriage like Brayden wanted to hold Bennett and keep him out in the living room and I would have a full panic attack and make Brayden come to bed with the baby just so that Bennett could be in the room with me Mm -hmm. and it just made him feel like he was incapable and that's that's not what I wanted to do I was just so scared but I don't think you could put words to it like even at my house I remember one time and I think naturally people are like you're not sleeping let me take the baby so you can sleep Whereas you kind of just wanted us to sit by the bed with the baby so you could sleep, but the baby was still there. Because I remember yeah. just saying, I'll take him for the night. Like, I'll do a shift with him if you just give, like, if you give him to me. And you just had said, you can have him, but you need to stay in the bed with me. And I just remember being confused. Like, you're complaining that you're tired and I'm offering to help you, but you don't want the help. So I just think people were just kind of confused too. Oh, for sure. And I remember, like, knowing that I was confusing people and not not leading them in the right direction of how to help me or how to help the baby. And now look at me, I'll just let you take Joey for the whole night. <laughs> take her. <laughs> take her. But it, and it, I had to get past that those first few months with Bennett and I really didn't even realize that I had such bad postpartum anxiety until I went for Bennett's two-month needles and they gave me this questionnaire and I filled it out as honest as I could. And she just looked at me. She's like, this is not normal. Like, sit down and talk. We're going to extend this appointment. And I didn't really realize that it wasn't normal until that appointment. And she just said, like, what's going on? And I just remember not eating or I wouldn't drink all day. And then I'd be so worried about Bennett and I wouldn't leave my house. I remember my in-laws invited us for supper. I cried. The minute we knew, I knew I was going for supper. The minute I left the house, I cried the whole time when I was at their house. I just wanted to get home where I knew that was my safe place. And I remember my counselor just saying, like, that is my safe place to where I was bleeding with Bennett and then it was okay. And then that was my safe place when I brought Bennett home and he was sleeping through, not the night, but he was sleeping and he was safe there. And then when I would leave, I just felt like I was so unsafe. I, it was unpredictable. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know who was going to hold him, if they were sick, if they've washed their hands. It just gave me such bad anxiety that I just wanted to stay home where I knew what I knew that my surroundings. When I think that even in our pregnancy classes, they talk about if someone's acting different, then check in with them. Like yeah. If you kind of getting a feeling that somebody's off, check in with them. And really check into them, mm-hmm. like really ask them questions and just make sure that they're okay. It's it, like, I love when people are excited about my babies. That gives me such great excitement. And, but nobody was just like, court, like, how are you? And that really made me struggle. Well, and when people did ask you how you were, yeah, I think you were like, you, you have told me in the past that you just felt crazy and kind of like a sense of, I guess, like almost shame that you didn't want to like tell people that you were feeling crazy. Yeah. And I think that now after many hours of counseling, I realized that like I really did that because we worked so hard for Bennett. I did all this stuff for Bennett. We were so lucky to be IVF successful. And then when people asked me and I just wanted to be like, I'm so happy I got, I got like, I got this beautiful baby, but instead I'm like really struggling and it made me feel guilty because I don't know how to put that into words. Well, I think because you, I should be happy, and I think people expect you to have this like this glow and this yeah. joy. And I think it's more recent that people are like, "No, it's freaking hard." Like, yeah, you're, you're not you're sleep sleeping. deprived. You're like you're not taking care of yourself. You're not. And I think that people often just expect have an expectation of you, and you wanted to meet that expectation. Yeah. So the guilt and shame set in that you weren't you weren't naturally feeling that, but you wanted people to think you were feeling that. Yeah, totally. And again. Like, well not again but social media too like I was spending a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram and you're seeing these like wonderful posts of how happy people are and I'm just like well I'm, I'm not feeling that way I want to feel that way and I feel like I was kind of robbed of that happiness and experience and I didn't know that you could be that happy until you had Madden and I was like she's for sure gonna crash she's gonna crash like me like I was waiting for it I was being the best sister-in-law I Every could day. be I'm like how are you are you eating are you sleeping what are you drinking like do you need me to come up or and you're just like, I'm fine. And you're just like out for walks and you're just healthy and happy. And I'm like, whatever. Like I did not feel that way. And I knew I wanted to feel that way with Joey. Mm-hmm. I really worked hard to have that again. And do you think that like going back, if people would have asked you how you were doing and how are you doing? How are you feeling? Do you think that you would have been 
able to be honest with people as to how you're thinking and how you're feeling? <sighs> yeah, and like I wanted to bring this up. We've already done a podcast and uh, I didn't like it that much. <laughs> so I made Logan redo it with me. And I really, it's I'll probably get teary, but like my husband lost his, uh, his best friend and like, I was suffering so bad from postpartum, but, like, he lost his very best friend. So, like, I wanted to be there for him and just be, like, this strong wife, even though I was just, like, so internally struggling. And so I even, like, lied even more to people that I was just fine because I had to be the strong one at that point. Like, that was so an unexpected death in our lives. (laughs) So that that also just created, like, I, I lost my husband during, like, a a few months and then we were seeding and it was just like I was kind of just in this world alone because I didn't know how to like handle all that was thrown at me with this baby and then he started getting chronic ear infections Brayden was seeding and then I don't know if it was just the warmer weather or how I got out of it I ended up going home for a week just to get extra help and and that kind of helped but I was really really suffering what I think like oh now I'm gonna get to here but you like I think you Brayden's always been so excited to have a baby too. Yeah. And he lost his best friend like soon after Bennett was born. Yeah. So I think that like he just wasn't able to be present either. So yeah. I think you were just like, at home. It wasn't going back what you expected for like your first child together to be. Right. Yeah. And I just had this like image in my head that this is going to be so great. And then six weeks in, it just kind of really threw a wrecking ball at us. Like it, I don't know how to even to put words into my mouth right now, but yeah, it was, it was hard. Like you said, you're trying to be strong, but you don't have the energy to be strong either. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't sleeping and yeah, it's hard to keep talking. I just want to like take a minute, but, and then brain just being so excited to have that and having Clint come and Clint come over to the house and we would go put, Brain's coaching hockey, like, it, and then things just kept happening to us, like, mm-hmm. bad things, I guess, and then all of a sudden, I don't know where we got better or how we got better, but we ended up getting out of that, and I just remember being like, holy, I was in a really dark place, and I I just wish I would have went to my counselor sooner, so when I look back and for advice for people who are struggling with that anxiety and deep hormone dips just to talk to somebody or use that village that's surrounding you and if you don't have that village just reach out reach out to someone that maybe you're you're watching to and watching on instagram or you're following because people are there to help you and i think that's super important what i think just like on the other hand if you know somebody who's had a baby just ask yeah like how are you like i think i've even been better with joey about that like how are you and just being like i'm drowning here like she doesn't stop crying like and then how do i support you because i think so often and we talked about this in the last podcast you want to fix it for people and i think even you could see that you were you were off but you didn't people would step in and be like i'll take him yeah or i'll do this and instead of just saying okay what do you need then if you're not sleeping what do you need from me how can i help yeah do you want me to sleep in the chair with bennett like just asking how to help rather than assuming that you know how to help and if a mom's tired just assuming that they want their baby to be gone for a night to sleep like i think that is a an expectation and even my other friends have said that like mm-hmm. people just are like I'll take them for a night and they're like that's not what I want and even after having yeah. Madden people are like I'll take my parents I'll take them for a night I'm like why would I want you to take them for a night like I don't want to be yeah. by myself either like yeah I don't want to be alone that doesn't make things easier yeah and I remember after Clint had passed away like two weeks later I just remember being so run down and I got really really sick and I ended up being in the hospital for a six or seven days I can't remember exactly and I had to be away from Bennett and that scared me so bad Mm -hmm. but I knew I also needed sleep like I was not getting better my body didn't have the energy to fight the sickness Mm -hmm. because I was so so tired and how old was Bennett when you were in the hospital eight weeks yeah and and he had to be you didn't have pumped milk up there either so I remember didn't he have to be on formula yeah he had to be on formula and I had lost my milk because I was so sick so dehydrated they couldn't figure out what was wrong for a very long time it ended up being a parasite but it like I got my period which Mm -hmm. they're like you can't get your period when you're 
exclusively breastfeeding. And I'm like, listen, like I for sure did. And then they had an ultrasound and they're like, yeah, you did get your period. And like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course I did. That is just my luck. Like it's just been like one thing after another right now. And then just staying in the hospital and having Brayden back in the hospital after we had just had Clint's funeral. Like it was, it just ended up being one thing and another thing. And I just wanted to be home with healthy babies mm-hmm. and my husband. And it was, it was hard. When I think like a lonely place being at home too, yeah. when two people aren't really present. They yeah. have their, like, you know, you, you're dealing with these thoughts of worrying about Bennett and wondering if Bennett's okay. And Brayden's dealing with the grief and loss of someone he loves and wants to share Bennett with. Yeah. And so I think two people just aren't in a place that they want to be. And you can't lean on each other because you're both like in very hard places and dealing with things very differently too. Yeah. And then back to... I think in the other podcast, that unwanted advice, like I'm going through so much. My husband's going through so much. My baby is having chronic ear infections. And then sometimes people would say like, oh, you're just anxious. Like you're going to the hospital too much. Like just like that unwanted advice. And But when I was going to the hospital, the doctor's like, yeah, like he does have ear infections. Like it was never that I went and like absolutely nothing was wrong. Like whether it was with me or with Bennett. And I think you had that... I think through your whole journey, like yeah. through in vitro fertilization, people, you kind of like would question yourself, like something's wrong, but I, I want to like get on things and people are like, no, just, just be more patient, like yeah, be less happen. stressed, blah, yeah. blah. And then you were pregnant and you're like, well, I think I'm miscarrying and people would be like, you're not. Yeah. Or just relax. Or how much are you bleeding? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? How much am I bleeding? Like I'm either bleeding or I'm not at this point. Like I guess spotting and bleeding can be two different things, but I just really just want someone to be there for me, not try and like ask questions and tell me I'm fine because I didn't feel fine. Two, you were trying to trust yourself and trust your gut and trust these instincts you were having. Yeah. And then people were putting doubt onto you. Yeah. And then when you had Bennett, you're having these thoughts, but it's scary to share them with someone when you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like scared of that judgment, I guess. And I was, I just, people are like, well, this is your second baby. You've been working so hard for it. Like what? And I was just like, yeah, but now I'm just so doubtful of like if I know what I'm doing. And I don't know. It was just nice to get past those that C-section recovery. I just remember being able to get up and just go to the bathroom or mm-hmm. play basketball outside with cash, go rollerblading again, go for a walk. That stuff just really started helping me. And I knew I needed that extra shove to just like get up and go. And starting to go to the gym again, that helped a lot. So if you are struggling, you just have to get up. Mm-hmm. I know how hard it is. And then what I think finding another, sorry, I interrupted no, you, that's but like okay. finding, like you said, like those are kind of your ways of taking care of yourself. Yeah. It's just being outside and being active. And that's kind of how you've connected with all your kids now, Bennett being yeah. two and a half, you connect with your kids being outside and doing things with them. Yeah. So I think if you're having a different recovery or even struggling in any way, finding a way to take care of yourself and what makes you feel good, even if it's just a bath or Five watching a minutes. show. Yeah. 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 Cause I think that's hard. People are like, well, I, I want to do what I used to do to make me happy. Yeah. And when you can't, sometimes it's hard to find those other things we need to do. Even like during this whole COVID situation, right? Like people are like, yeah. I spent time with people and that made me feel good. I went here with my kids and that made me feel good. And now they're stuck at home and it's hard to find different things that make you feel good. Yeah. Even with anxiety and depression, you might not have the energy. You might not have the physical ability to do things that you once did that made you feel good. Yeah. But being aware, I'm trying to find different things that do. And that's hard. Even if it's reading or it's just trying different things. And I think coming up with different ideas is so challenging. Yeah, and I had to find things that I could do that I didn't get those intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like I, w- I was like, oh, I'm going to go in the hot tub tonight, take the kids, and I'm so excited to do that. And then I had a horrible vision of Bennett falling in the hot tub as a four-month-old baby and like not coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't, I can't go in the hot tub. So I had to find different things that made us all happy that I just felt safe doing. So you had this plan. You would follow through on this plan, like going to my parents' house, going in the hot tub, and doing that and then having those thoughts where did that leave you after having those thoughts it's yeah so I would feel so scared but then after that would happen and I would get out there and do those things I did come home and just feel relief that I'm in my safe place again but then I'm like nothing happened we're alive we're fine we're healthy I 
it's, it's okay. So then I just had to keep doing those small things, like whether it was to go to the city for a quick day trip to get groceries or just go see someone for coffee, come up to your house. And then I'd come home and be like, oh, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Baby Joe's talking on the podcast too. In those moments of even like letting me take Bennett for a little bit of time yeah. or letting Brayden eventually take Bennett for a little bit of time, also reinforce that other people can help you yeah and I remember you saying in our last part that that we recorded you said that going home was kind of like a a moment in time that you felt like things were shifting and progressing to be to help with your anxiety yeah like going home to see my family yeah and I said yeah. how do you did you even manage that because you couldn't even come to the city you couldn't even go across town of a town of 500 people mm-hmm. with no stoplights or anything how did you go home to Estevan and you had said it's like those baby steps of just like, okay, I went to the city and he's okay. I yeah. crossed the street and he was okay. And I, I would re- like tell people too, if you're having those intrusive thoughts, for sure you need to reach out to someone. And there's even call lines that you can reach out yeah. to. So nobody knows you. Because I think sometimes you're worried about that judgment when people know you. There's call lines that you can just talk to someone who doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. But take those baby steps instead of being like, I'm going to drive. Yeah. Go sit on the porch. Yeah. Go get, sit outside for a couple seconds and then go back inside when you start feeling uncomfortable. Like taking those baby steps, like that exposure. Yeah. Exposure for mm-hmm. sure. And I remember being like, am I going to go home right now in the middle of seating? And I just, and my mom had just said like, just come home. You get to share your baby with your family. Cause I'm in foremost and like, you guys are so great. I love it here too, but I don't get my friends. I don't get mm-hmm. the people who've known me my whole life to yeah. remind me that like, Courtney, you are so strong. Like you have been through so much. Like you can do this. Like you can pull yourself out of this. Mm-hmm. And I remember going home and just sh- getting there. Bennett slept the whole way. He was on antibiotics for another ear infection. And I remember getting home and just feeling this sense of relief that like I'm also home. Like I get to share Bennett with these people. And I felt I felt like I was already, I don't know, like getting stronger, I guess, and seeing my grandparents and just sharing him and being like, I do have this. This is an exciting time. People are excited to see us. It's not, it's not all doom. Have you had anxiety in the past? Not that I, pregnancy? I remember one time in university, I was pregnant with cash and I was trying to write an exam and and this, I didn't really know much about anxiety at this Mm -hmm. time. It wasn't as talked about as it is now. And I remember trying to write an exam and I couldn't see any of the questions. Like it was like blurry to me. Nothing was making sense. And I remember Dr. Forgy. I don't know if you remember her. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she just said to me, Courtney, I can see you. You can write this exam tomorrow. Like you need to, you need to get out of here. Like you're just having like an anxiety attack. It's fine. You can write the exam tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being so thankful that she allowed me to just leave. Like I was young, pregnant, mm-hmm. felt alone was writing this exam so I could get home and have a baby. And that was the first time I think I ever felt like anxious, anxious, I guess. Because you are pretty easygoing. Like I'm for sure more anxious. I have those racing thoughts, like hard to process things. I get overwhelmed. I can feel it in my chest. I can, I, and like I am a therapist, so I know a lot about those feelings. So I am able to identify that. But that's why I was asking because I wonder if it was just such a new experience that it just felt so foreign too, that you're like, something's not right, but I don't know what's not right. And I just don't want to be, like you said, judged and criticized. And I think you even said in the last podcast, everybody was enjoying Bennett so much. And everyone's used to be Mm -hmm. me being that laid back, like who cares? He'll get hurt. He's fine. Like laid back, super calm, chill. And then I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like that exposure and going home and seeing my friends reminded me that I, I still am that laid back, mm-hmm. chill, calm person. And then, and then I kind of brought those things back. Like I just drove nine hours. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm I, okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can do this. Like I when just I think needed those reminders. When I think that is reminding yourself that you are okay. Like you yeah. are safe. You're alive. Your yeah. baby is okay. But also when you feel like your baby's not okay, it's okay to just go and get that validation from someone oh, who for can sure. check that they're okay. And we have an amazing healthcare mm-hmm. system. Amazing. Doctors yeah. want you to go in. They never have I ever went in the doctors like, oh, she's back again. Mm-hmm. Like they're all just want, they made me feel so validated and like real with my feelings. When I think even 
recently with Joey, she's been screaming and crying and so angry. And you are starting to get emotional. Like, she doesn't want me. Like, why isn't she nursing? And yeah. it started to, like, weigh on you. And she, what, you weren't sleeping because she wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday you said... I think it's an ear infection. Like it just clicked. And I think sometimes your body's just telling you something's wrong. And sometimes there just genuinely is something wrong. And sometimes your body's sending those false alarms. But sometimes, sometimes you just need to be that validated. We took her to the hospital yesterday and the doctor's like, yeah, double ear infection and swollen tonsils. And you're like, oh. Yeah, I felt so good about myself. I'm like, I knew it. I should have maybe known it a couple days ago (laughs) because Bennett had chronic ear infections all the time. Like, I I should be a professional Mm -hmm. by now. But, yeah, it was nice to feel validated. I had a smile on my face. Like, it was – it's hard. Mm. It just brought back memories of being in that dark place with Bennett and being scared to take him in or feel feel stupid, I guess. And to be validated was huge for me. When people, I think – and saying why right, you're taking him into the hospital again it's like yeah. well yeah you are but like you think something's wrong so take him in and I remember yeah. saying like just take him in yeah. there's no point sitting at home and wondering if something's wrong and then you take him in and the doctor would be like yeah something's wrong yeah and I think that is that too just encouraging people here we can pause I think that the biggest thing through what I've learned with Bennett and having that postpartum anxiety is just that it's a really hard time to go through just doubting yourself and how to have that faith in yourself that you know the right answer. And hopefully that mama instinct just comes in and takes over and you can you can get through that hard time. So biggest thing I think you said too is to get through it is the exposure, reaching yeah. out to your support system or even someone, reaching out to somebody yeah. mm-hmm. to talk to them and learning counseling, like learning yeah. to gain that trust in yourself yeah sometimes you just need to hear somebody else also tell you that like it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling and that there's just there is a light at the end of the tunnel it just might take a little bit of work to get there and normalizing that yeah like it's it's okay to feel that way yeah but let's do something about it and and like a huge thing I learned is just like I really don't like the newborn stage it's just not my thing I don't like it and you've always said that and then he kind of hit that four five months would you say and you're ready to roll yeah I love that it's my thing when they're starting to just like sit up and get that personality going and he was so quick to do things and I I love that I love watching them learn and I'm just I'm not the best when they're little tiny babies that you just have to keep alive and it's just a guessing game Mm -hmm. it's just such a guessing game and I had so many doubts and I just I really needed help to get through that and I didn't know I didn't know how to how to get through it when I think that number one if you're feeling any of those like intrusive thoughts worrying about them dying it's impacting your ability to go do things and reach out yeah even if it's to me and or helplines or just reach out to someone you trust and just say don't I don't think this is normal I don't think this is how it's supposed to be and these Mm -hmm. are the thoughts I'm having can you just listen to me I I just want to tell you how I'm feeling yeah well then that leads us to baby joe because she Ben was, I would say, a pretty easy baby. Like, he was awake a yeah. lot. He didn't sleep. But he didn't cry, I don't think, like yeah, baby Joe has. wasn't colicky, that's for sure. <laughs> so embryo number two. Yeah, we had one embryo left. And I think we talked about this in the last podcast, that she didn't thaw properly. Or the embryo, did we talk about that? I don't know. Okay, so... In case we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> only 65% of her embryo thawed properly. The other 35% had died we spent a lot of time googling we couldn't really come up with an answer as to why but remember the doctor transferring her and just saying like good luck we transfer anything over 60 percent so like go follow the rest of the protocol and hopefully outcome is good and I I was super negative and I just didn't think that it had worked it didn't seem like it was as overwhelming and consuming as your worry about Bennett you were just at the from the beginning just saying like there's just no point in getting, getting excited. It just, up. it is what it is. It didn't work. Yeah. And it was a, still a lot of meds, no injections, but it was six suppositories a day of progesterone. And it's a ton of progesterone. Yeah. And I think four estrogen pills. And we also were on as- baby aspirin. I don't really know why they put us on that. I have to research that. But yeah. And then I took four, t- four tests and they were all negative. And then I took uh, my last hurrah in the pantry I found a first response test and I looked down and I seen two lines I just remember being like holy shit I'm pregnant and being so excited and and then yeah and then I bled again at about eight weeks 
went in, everything looked fine, and then I never bled again after that. And then the pregnancy was smooth sailing. I was just trying to enjoy it the best I could. And I was doing yoga, just having, just being super excited. We found out it was a girl, so I was just over the you moon. Wanted a girl. Yeah, I wanted a girl Very so bad. Yeah. To people you wanted a girl. If it was a boy, it would have been fine. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was a girl and everything was good until about like 32 weeks I went in and my belly was measuring three, three and a half weeks ahead. And Dr. Topping just said like, you got to go for an ultrasound. We're just going to make sure everything's all right. You're measuring quite a bit ahead. And I was like, okay. And I'm just going to interrupt quick because I remember when you first started to have that feeling, like, I think something's wrong. And people were again telling you like, no, like just pregnant. Yeah. That feeling's normal, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember you just, again, had that instinct. This isn't how it should feel yeah I felt super tight like my belly was so so tight and I was getting lots of Braxton Hicks and I just being like oh I'm in so much pain my ribs were hurting so so bad and then I kept going to the chiropractor and she too was just like we can tape them we can do whatever but it was just a lot of pain Mm -hmm. and then just being validated when I went in for my ultrasound and the ultrasound tech sent me back to my doctor and she said you have way too much fluid in your belly We'll keep watching it. It's called polyhydramnios. And uh, and then I would go for weekly ultrasounds, weekly non-stress tests, I think they're called. And everything was fine. And then all of a sudden on December 23rd, Logan and I were fighting over birthdays. Well, because you said, I, if the hoppings will take her, I'll say, just take her. And I said, how? That's awful. Like, you're going to give her a Boxing Day birthday. You're like, I don't care at this point. I'm yeah. in so much pain. And I just said, that is so selfish. Like, at least put in like five more days so she makes it to the new year. And you're just said, no, if, if toppings will take her, I'll let her. I was in a lot of pain. <laughs> I would have let her go that day. <laughs> And then I went for that ultrasound and my fluid had jumped another 11 centimeters. So my belly at 36 weeks was measuring 45 weeks. And Topping just said, like, you don't want to know what your belly is measuring. I'm like, no, I, I want to know because my ribs are going to break. Like they Just validate that I actually am in a lot of Yeah. Pain. And then she's like, yeah, you're at 45 weeks measuring. And I was just like, holy cow. And then... She just said, like, you can't leave. Like, you need to stay in town. Do not leave to Formos. Like, if your water breaks, like, we might not be able to save the baby. She was very stern about it. Then she had left, called the another ob And then she came in. She's like, we're going to take the baby tomorrow morning at 6. And I just started crying. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, not Boxing Day. <laughs> she is coming out Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah. And then we went in the next day. And it was 6 in the morning. And a couple of the nurses just said, like, we haven't seen Polly. Can we please come in and watch? And I'm like, oh, for sure. Like, it doesn't bother me. There ended up being a lot of nurses in there that were just coming in to just watch. And I remember them, Dr. Topping, breaking my water. And you could hear it. It just sounded like a waterfall. Like, the one nurse was like, I've never seen this much fluid. And they were joking that it was going to flood the uh, hospital room. And then out came Joey just screaming away. And... She never really stopped screaming yeah. after that. No, she kept screaming. And then they said that she was healthy or good to go back to um, 3A and recover. And then I remember getting there and she she turned quite blue. She was really like breathing really fast. She wasn't latching. And then within minutes, my husband and the nurses were back. They had taken her to NICU. And I didn't really know what was going on, but I knew that I promised myself I, I wouldn't do what I did with Bennett. I was going to stay a lot more calm, take care of myself, and just kind of wait to see what was going on with her instead of just freaking out. When I was in the hospital room with you, I stayed with you and Brayden was with Joey. And I remember saying at one point to the nurse, can I just take her over there? I'll bring her back. Can I just take her, take her there? And you had looked at me like, no, I'm okay. I need need to sleep. And the morphine's kicking in. Like I, I need to sleep. Like I'm in a lot of pain and I'm okay not going over there. And I just remember thinking to myself, okay, like, we'll just take her lead. Like, I'll just do whatever she says this time. And you were in so much pain, so much pain. And I remember you just saying, I need, like, something for the pain. And you just look at me, you're like, no, Joey's okay. Like, I know Joey's okay. I need to do things differently this time. Yeah. And I... I just remember lighting up my heart to just be like, oh, like, look at her. Yeah, just taking care of of herself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my doctor always says this to me, like, a healthy, happy baby comes from a healthy, happy mom. 
And I just knew I needed to take care of myself. And they would call me, let me know how Joey's doing. Brayden was sending me videos. And, like, the pictures were a little scary with her masks on and the oxygen tubes. And that looked scary. Because she had fluid in her lungs. Yeah, but I knew she was okay. She had the best team. And I was in so much pain. I had a C-section. I couldn't stand up. I still had the catheter in. I was bleeding a lot. They had to give me needles in my belly to stop the clotting a few times, like, the nurses were like, oh, she's clotting really bad. And I was just like, whatever, just give me another needle. It's nothing at this point. And then they'd come in to push on my belly. And I just remember screaming, oh. like, I, I can't explain the pain. It just felt like fire. It felt so, so bad. I don't know if it's because it was my second C-section, but it, it was really, really painful. And I couldn't, I couldn't get up yet. I couldn't walk. And they're just like, get up and go to the bathroom. I'm like, no, please, I can't do it. <laughs> That's another thing I encourage moms or friends to do is everybody's journey is different yeah and I think just being curious about another person's journey because that wasn't my journey I didn't have any pain after I felt good didn't hurt to press on my stomach so just not having any judgment and just like the curiosity of other people's story like I yeah enjoyed, my baby had been in the NICU and I didn't leave the NICU for so long and I stayed there and you were willing to like go sleep somewhere else and had so much confidence yeah. in the nurses that they could keep Joey safe and so I just think being curious about other people, even wondering with you, it's like, what do you need? Do you mm-hmm. need food? Do you want to come over? Do you want to stay there? What can I do? But not having any like judgment or putting, I mean, like there would be sometimes I'm like, oh, this is what I know from Madden. Like, what's it like with Joey? But your story was so different even from Bennett. So yeah. I think as a friend or a sister or anyone close to someone, just ask. Yeah. And I think having those conversations with my friends about Bennett they were so, so good this time with Joey. Like my one girlfriend sent her mom with really like with food and that was so helpful because hospital food isn't always the best. Mm-hmm. When you don't get fed as a, as a family in the NICU either, like you're not really a patient. So they're not bringing you food like they would in 3A. Yeah. And just, just asking questions, how, how I'm doing, how the, how, how the baby's doing, how Brayden's doing, mm-hmm. how the other, like I have two boys at home. Like everyone was just I, th- I think I set those boundaries and had those conversations and this time I knew how to take care of myself better and the people, my village of people also knew how to take care of me and I think that's so important to set, to have those conversations. When I like that, saying you have the village but the village has to know how to take care of you Yeah, and I think how people need to be taken care of is so different. Yeah. Like how you needed to be taken care of differently with Bennett versus Joey and Joey, they cried and cried and you were willing to say like yeah take a shift with her or we stayed up talking one time and I said like I'm waiting for you to go to bed like I'm willing to do a shift and you're like no I'm okay I'm like okay just let me know yeah everyone needs to be taken care of differently and I think oftentimes people say they have a village or you need a village but the village also needs to know how to take care of you. yeah and like what worked for you when your baby was colicky might not work for Mm -hmm. me when my baby's colicky like I think just knowing knowing how how that person is reacting and like learning those cues and understanding, I think just comes deep from, deep from your heart. Yeah. When even I knew you were so scared to get Bennett formula. So I didn't want to like push formula or I, I was more careful this time of just asking instead of just saying, here's an idea. Just like, what do you feel about this? And so what was it like to have a baby that never stopped crying? And it's funny because formula was that liquid gold for me for cash. Mm -hmm. And then this time I was going to be this like all star Instagram social media mom that just tried to do everything right and then with joey now i'm just like fed is best yeah like you just feed that baby and if she's crying you just give her away it's fine (laughs) and was it hard like what was it like to have a baby that never because you look at benny he was a pretty good baby he didn't really cry very much but you weren't sleeping yeah you were having thoughts he was gonna die you didn't want to take him anywhere and you had an emergency c-section like things but you looked at that and you're like well how are you not like this should be a little bit easier. Yeah. Whereas I looked at Joey, I'm like, how are you getting through every day? Yeah. And I think that my husband just said, she's going to cry when you hold her. She's going to cry when you put her down. You might as well put her down. And I did. I just put her down and she cried and I picked her up and she cried. And that's just what she did. She just cried. And but- were you okay? Like, were you okay during the first, I guess she's four months now and she probably she cried a lot in the first at yeah. least two yeah and she actually didn't start really crying until she was like five weeks old when we were in NICU and she was on the monitors and under yeah. the light and with 
well, they had the most, I had the most amazing nurses and doctors in the NICU, but she just was so quiet and peaceful. And then we got home and she was getting healthier and better and her lungs really started developing and she just cried. And Bennett would try and shush her. Cash couldn't understand why she cried all the time. Braden and I swore up and down, we're done having kids. He's changing his mind. I'm, I'm not, not changing my mind. And uh, I think it, it was just almost like humorous at the time too. But And I just took advantage of my village. I just said like, I need someone to come get her. I left her alone. I wasn't, I just tried not to do what I did with Bennett and obsess over those small things. And sometimes I just write them down in my phone. If I had a bad image with Joey, I just write it down. And I think I had one little dip and I just needed some alone time with her. Skin to skin is huge. Mm -hmm. Even if she's crying, like I just would take a bath with her. She loved running water. You just have to find those things that are connecting you to your baby. And honestly, Joey and I didn't connect till she was a little bit older <laughs> three were, and a half months and it was hard okay to connect that, yeah too. like I think you were just you validated yourself so much with Joey too yeah like, it's okay to not like the newborn stage it's okay that she's crying it's yeah. okay I don't know what to do it's okay and I think you yeah, yeah you validated yourself a lot yeah and that comes from lots of counseling and conversations too but babies are very resilient and we are resilient. Mothers are resilient. Like we can do this. And I just remember telling myself, you need sleep. You can't function. And I remember like going back to Bennett, but I called my very best friend from back home and I was telling her what I was feeling. And she said, Courtney, have you slept? And I said, no. She's like, you need to sleep. Sleeping is so, so important. Your brain cannot function if you don't sleep. And I could hear her voice in my head. And so I just said, like, I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I spent days in the NICU sleeping because she was sleeping and taking care of. Like, let the nurses, let your village do do that job and and part in your life and your journey. And I think that just helps so much. Managing one thought at a time. Yeah. I always explain, because I work with kids, but little snowball melts so much faster than a big snowball. And so managing those thoughts once at a time, like writing them down, telling somebody, just being aware of those thoughts and processing them Mm -hmm. rather than letting like one intrusive thought come and then not sleeping and then your worries and having so many thoughts build up into one big snowball and then it feeling so overwhelming. And I learned through my in vitro and my infertility years that like you really can't control everything in your life. Like you can't have a timeline. You can't have this perfect baby. Things are going to be out of your control and Try and control the little things you can. And well, everyone's following Go Clean right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just the lady in Calgary that does cleaning. And she just said, too, like, you, you can control that. And it's just one thing a day that you just clean, and that's something you can control. And with Joey, I just have to put that one thought, deal with that one thought. Don't be so sporadic with my thinking. And that's been helping. You know yourself enough to know when you're starting to get into a bad place. Yeah. Like when you're like, when my house is really clean, I'm not doing well. And you told me that. So I'm yeah. like, your house is really clean. Like, are you doing well? And just being like, no, I'm, I am doing good. This is how I've been coping. So just learning what yeah. it looks like when you're starting to become unhealthy yeah. and then being able to identify that and tell someone so they also can kind of check in on that too. Yeah. Dealing with the unexpected events of infertility and IVF and losing our Braden's best friend and that showed me that like it's really out of my control and there's just nothing I can do and Joey's crying was totally out of my control there was I tried everything I knew how to do I had faith in myself I trusted my instincts this time and it it wasn't working and I was okay with that this Mm -hmm. time I wasn't I didn't want to go down that place I went with Bennett and I was so proud of you for that. Yeah. I was ready to help you, but you didn't You didn't really need it. Yeah. Like you needed more physical help, but you didn't need the emotional help. But I was ready this time. I wish that they spent, I'm kind of bouncing all over, but I re- wish that they would spend more time talking. This is what anxiety looks like. This yeah. is what baby blues looks like. This is what postpartum looks like. Because we we talk so much about what birth looks like and what essentials to have. But then nobody knows what it's like to breastfeed and how hard that can be. Nobody yeah. knows what it's like to have postpartum anxiety. And I just wish they would spend more time with that. And then I wanted to talk about the C-section with Joey too. Like I came home from NICU and all of a sudden I had that burning pain again. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I had an infection and I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I couldn't do these things. I guess we are bouncing all over. You might have to edit. Yeah. And uh, Cut base. Yeah. I couldn't put my chair down and... And then I had that infection. I had to go to my doctor's office. I was on more meds that weren't good for breastfeeding. So I had to supplement with formula. 
And then I couldn't do anything with my toddler. I couldn't take him to bed upstairs. I couldn't play with cash. Like it was really, really daunting for me to not be able to live that lifestyle that I am so used to living. And then three weeks later, again, another infection in my incision. And it just wasn't ending. And I had this baby that cried. But for some reason, mentally, I felt more stable than I did with Bennett. When trusted yourself again. Yeah. Remember when you were having the burning and like a little bit of pus? I'm like, is that normal for you? Like, do you feel like everything's okay? And you're like, no, I'm going to book a doctor's appointment. Like, you were really on top of it and trusted yourself. Yeah. And I think that was really important too. Yeah. What did you do when this time after C-section to just take care of yourself when you are so active and the ways you connect with people you weren't able to connect with your kids and like the people in your life that way what did you do yeah I just tried to spend as much time like off my phone just having those connections with Bennett reading books having him sit on the couch with me and I knew that you really have to take it slow after a c-section it is like very intrusive they are cutting through layers and just taking that time to just be um can't think of the word like connected yeah and like there present present yeah you're just present with them and just spending that time with them and I can't go upstairs and play with him I can't sit on the floor and play with him but I'm watching him I'm talking to him I'm I'm helping catch with his homework and I could hold the baby and I just had to tell my husband I need more help this time I want to heal I want to be just I want to feel better what I think social media I've thought even recently like that's a whole nother conversation because I remember at one point saying I don't have enough time in a day and then I'm like, well, I'm on social media, so I clearly have enough time. And so lately, I haven't been on social media at all. I put my phone down, and how life-changing that's been. Yeah. But anything else that we missed? No, I don't think so. Y'all, y'all know my I'm life so now. Sure you just came in too. But thank you for doing this with me. I think these conversations, we've had them. And so it was nice to just be able to sit down and talk to you about them and share them with other people. And if you are having any of those thoughts or in any of these places and want someone to talk to and don't, just reach out to even me. So thank you for just talking with me and sharing your story. Yeah. And again, I just think like just accepting help and it's okay to feel overwhelmed to lean on to others. So lucky to have an army of people and hopefully a village of support systems. And in tell our community. people, yeah, yeah, tell just, people, your community, your army, your village, what you need. Yeah. Creating boundaries and hopefully just gaining enough confidence that like this is a job for superheroes and we're, we're all just... We're all really doing the best that we can. Do you want to say hi? Who is it? It's the podcast. Hi. Do you have anything you want to say? No. <laughs> My son, yeah, cashed her nine yesterday. It's really, really crazy. And let me tell you, that pregnancy was just easy. He's just an easy little boy. I got really lucky. And then these two, they... Run uh, for your money. Literally a run. Run for our money. <laughs> okay. Thank you Thank for you. Me. See you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>